0: Welcome to the UX Growth Podcast, your go-to source for expert insights and actual advice on all things UX design. If you're enjoying the show, I would love for you to subscribe and never miss an episode on your podcasting platform. And don't forget to sign up for our UX Growth Insider newsletter, where you will get exclusive access to even more resources, tips, and insights that help you take your UX design skills to the next level. Be sure to check out our website at the uxgrowth. com, where you can find show notes and links to our social media channels. And last but not least, be sure to follow me on Twitter and LinkedIn for even more UX design goodness. All links are found in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and let's grow together. Hi, this is the UX Growth Podcast, a podcast that helps people learn and grow in the UX design industry. I'm your host Nick Mann. I'm here with another guest of season two, with Aneta. And now, I always do my best to pronounce my guest's last name, but for this extra one, I'm gonna be asking you to be able to pronounce this for me.
1: No worries, Nick. So my name is Aneta, and my surname is Kmiecik. It's a very Polish sermon, that's why. It sounds like this.
0: <laughs> yeah, I believe I know. The Polish names are always the most difficult ones for me. I believe that's <laughs> something that I should do my due diligence on becoming better at. I don't. No worries, no worries. <laughs> you are not
1: alone. You know, everyone pronounces uh, pronounces my name as Anita, and I always need mm-hmm. to correct them. Also, at my ed- current job, so it's you know, no problem. yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah. And your t- uh, titles are known as a senior UX designer, a UX mentor, and a content creator. So it's thank you so much for being a part of this podcast.
1: No worries. It's a pleasure.
0: Yes. Uh, let's begin by tell us a bit about your background. How did you get to the Play Start today?
1: Absolutely. So, yeah. So I studied architecture and urban planning. Uh, in Poland, because I, I grew up and studied in Poland and uh, immediately after beginning my university, I started my first internship as an architect. And then during the process, I also started studying second faculty. So it mm-hmm. was graphic design at Academy of Fine Arts in Warsaw, because it was my dream to study at Academy. So I made it happen. And yeah, during both studies, I work as an architect and I also worked as a full-time architect after finishing universities uh, in Poland and in Japan. And uh, I work in quite big, famous offices. And it was the time when I realized that uh, those big companies' logos and those famous companies also don't have processes in place and they also can be not so ideal and messy. So when I was uh, finishing my second master's degree with graphic design, I got interested in UX because I had some friends from, actually from graphic design uh, faculty that was already, they were already doing UX uh, job. So I made a very spontaneous decision. I uh, signed up for a UX bootcamp. It was in Poland because it was the cheapest option for me. And after two months, I I got the first job uh, in an agency. Uh, And yeah, I spent basically two months on the UX bootcamp full time uh, learning uh, about UX and doing my portfolio. And I think uh, my job came to me because of my determination and consistency and portfolio. But to be honest, also because uh, one of my friends recommended me in this uh, company. So Mm. it was uh, January 2019. And now I'm in Norway. Uh, Mm. i will be starting my second job in one week from may uh so so yeah here i am yeah
0: that's exciting and congrats i know through the the whole process of boot camps it's always so so fascinating for me because uh my 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 law studies of the ux actually just came from from the old school of learning from books other designers and Mm. youtube so because I come from a graphic design background, so like I would say like I had a basic level of understanding, yeah. But a lot of like the hands-on experience that I've gone through the trial and error process through yeah. through my learning process. But it also, it's definitely not the most conventional way, but you know, it's also like the most one the most effective because I'm actually experiencing it firsthand.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think. You know, there's no, like, one way f- of succeeding in UX design mm, and getting your true. first job. So I think there are many people who criticize uh, UX boot camps. I think this is, you can try it and it can help you, but I don't think it will, it will guarantee getting you a job. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, it was... Um, quite helpful in a sense that I already had two master degrees in design because I was an architect and I had also a degree in graphic design. So I spent a lot Mm -hmm. of time on learning design processes in different design industries and UX. It was definitely something new. I wouldn't say it's the same. It's definitely totally different, but because I wanted to do it also quickly Mm -hmm. as probably everyone now, (laughs) we're so impatient these days. So, I was looking for a place where I can find like you know, like a roadmap kinda that mm-hmm. I can follow. And I was doing a lot of work myself because the bootcamp just gives you gives you some theory, some case studies, but it's definitely far away from reality. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my my old days and nights were spent on UX, on learning, also reading, as you said, books and all of this, also n- networking. I was yeah. attending all three events in Warsaw this time just to <laughs> get into this industry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I cannot stress that enough because of, even from formal education, like the, the aspects of learning doesn't stop there. That's why we have to do our due diligence and becoming as designers and continually be a learning our craft and learning about different industries and of course the users about what their needs are. And this is why we don't have to think this, oh, I got my degree from college. I have my certificate from boot camp and that's all I need. You know, that's where that's where growth should not stop.
1: Absolutely. I totally agree. I mean, like universities and all of these certificates, they just don't guarantee us jobs. And it's, you know, the theory is far away from the practice, so.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And of course, through uh, The hiring process and that's always quite the journey through it so i'm curious to know where are your some of your thoughts and any tips that you have for the people who are going out through that process right now
1: for the recruitment process you mean yes Mm. that's a very good question and it's a very i think common question from many Mm. uh, these days on the market so i'm not a hiring manager so i can just give uh, some tips from my personal experience and observations Uh, basically I think that um, definitely it's worth uh, preparing some plan uh, no matter if you're going through a UX bootcamp uh, or if you're learning on your own uh, you know have some plan have some action steps milestones know what where you are going also Mm -hmm. I think something that I can't see very often is that people actually don't do like a retrospective of their career profiles in a sense, so what they have done till now, uh, do they have any experience from another industry, so do, can they find any transferable skills to UX, or have it, they just graduated from a university or a bootcamp and and uh, they have never worked in any place. So this is worth uh, maybe thinking about as well as thinking about your values and strengths. Because UX is a very broad industry Mm -hmm. and you can end up working in... I don't know, in-house companies, agencies, startups, low UX maturity organizations or high UX maturity organizations. So it's worth also doing some sort of research about this and kind of try to connect where your value, strengths and background can fit the best. And when you feel, you assume that you might fit the best and Mm -hmm. aim for it first. And also, as as we talked before, be precise uh, when you're going through this process. I think the more concrete we are, the better, mm-hmm. usually, uh, because no one likes to have uh, very vague answers because if there's so many people with very vague general answers, like from chat GPT, it's very hard to uh, to pick this unique personality that usually I think companies are looking for when they are looking for junior designers, someone who they can uh, work with, someone who is passionate about UX, someone who is very curious who has some sort of critical thinking, who has a very strong communication skills, right? Because these hard skills, I mean, of course, knowing Figma and all of this is very helpful because I remember my first tasks as a junior designer. It was very much uh, work in Figma and Mm -hmm. prototyping, wireframing. Also, I did a lot of research just because I, I was in companies where it was missing, uh, but uh, yeah, those type of skills, soft skills, some sort of personality showing this mm-hmm. during the process, it's uh, very important. And of course, being determined, I think, because yeah. um, there's so many other people who are trying to get a UX job. So there's very definitely very competitive. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's uh, worth to be determined and just keep mm-hmm. going.
0: Yeah, that's uh, one thing to always remember because... As much as these uh, boot camps love to make things, things so simple and really mm-hmm. fun, and then we go through the actual process, like, oh my gosh, it feels a bit different from what, what I've learned. And now all of a sudden, you got to go through like the heartbreaks of like all these rejection and stuff like that. And how many times, like, we need to remind ourselves that it's a part of the process?
1: Yeah.
0: You know, yeah, we all, we all go through mm-hmm.
1: it. Yeah, we all go through it. Exactly. I had so many rejections in my life.
0: I know it's it's, so it's incredible, like how many yeah. like fantastic designers I learned about and to even be able to talk with them and figure out all the struggles. And it turns out, like wow, their struggles are really no different than anyone else. Because it turns out that we're all all we're all the same. It does not matter like how oh your accomplishments, how many followers. Like we are all human, yeah. and we are all yeah. you know challenging our own. Emotions going through the process, so it's yeah. like there's no one that's really that much better than you. It's just oh, how much you can work on yourself. You know, it's like well, well, I've one of the biggest lessons I've learned from learning from other people and how you know, like comparison is like the thief of joy. You know, where we can look mm-hmm. at like all these people who have these things that you don't have, and it feel it can like feel bad on someone, but realizing that we all have our own problems, really.
1: Yeah, absolutely, right. We all have all our own uh, cases, right? Uh, it's like with users, I would say, right? We are also yeah. a user of this process in a sense. So my perspective and my context uh, can be different than yours, right? Because I, I don't know. I grew up in this place. I have those experiences. I have those skills. I have this mindset and so on. And it also makes an impact on the whole UX recruitment process and the way how we share portfolios and, you know.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm, yeah. So I know it's all, it's all part of that process as important as is to show up for all of it as well too. And it's so important for a lot of the success. So I'm also uh, wondering, so you're also quite the content creator on social media. So I kind of want to pick your brain about how you go through that process about creating such wonderful content that uh, is able to like resonate with other people.
1: Oh, Nick, thank you so much for your kind words. Uh, I know that definitely there are more, more uh, content creators uh, who are much more successful than I am. Of
0: course, of course, uh, because, of course. Uh, but that's, uh, I just also want to say is that we are all in it for our own right. So yeah, don't feel like your your worth is tied to a number. I think that's one thing a lot of content creators yeah. need to remember.
1: Yeah. So first of all, uh, yeah, I do content creation. So I write and do some videos about UX uh industry my perspective about this industry and my experiences uh, on instagram uh, you can find me uh, by checking account ux.aneta and also on linkedin These are the two main platforms that I'm now uh, using, but uh, of course, the future will show maybe more, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. uh, I think the most challenging part uh, with content creation and full-time job and other responsibilities is definitely balancing everything.
0: Mm -hmm. As you
1: probably know, Nick, it's uh, very hard to sometimes to balance, but I think that um, Um, Some routines that I have these days help me with uh, going through this process. I have a very strict morning routine. I wake up at 5.30 and this is the time when I write my content for one hour every weekday. Um, I also do videos, but this is usually done during weekends. And uh, yeah, it also sometimes I do breaks from social media because there can be very overwhelming And as you said, many content creators tend to be very attached to numbers, like number of followers, uh, Mm -hmm. engagement, and all of this. I, to be honest, try to not be, but of course, it's very hard, just purely because I can see those numbers, for instance, on my Instagram. And -hmm. also LinkedIn pretty recently has introduced some sort of badge that I can see in the top of my page. about the engagement for my posts before I haven't seen it. So it was better, but on Instagram, you can easily see it. And very often people, when we discuss with others, like content creators, how is it? And how are you getting so many followers? We are all so much focused on followers, but for me, this is not the most important part. The Mm -hmm. most important part initially was to create my own space somewhere online, uh, because this is something that I was missing in my corporate job. Something that I can call that this is mine and I create this. And this is my personal point of view. So that was the main reason. And the second is definitely meeting people. Like, for instance, talking with you right now in this awesome podcast or meeting other content creators as well. There's so many things that we can learn from each other and it's really amazing. Sometimes I would say that it's sometimes even more exciting than my day-to-day job when I have Mm -hmm. all those conversations, you know, in private messages or even in comments like on LinkedIn and happens quite often that people have so many to share. They have all different thoughts about different things and we can all learn from each other. So this is Mm -hmm. something that I really admire. And uh, yeah, the third one is definitely helping people. I got many questions. I get many questions every day mm-hmm. about how to get to UX or what should I do if my uh, I don't know what type of projects should I uh, take on for my UX case study and so on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is definitely the third part, and the followers are coming somewhere later. I would say.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's always. Uh fun concept that i'm starting to get to new into it as well with the, this podcast even though i would say like i don't view i don't really view myself as a content creator i actually just view myself as a like a learn uh, like an always learn a learning person mm-hmm. who wants to reach out to as much people as i can with that
1: yeah that's so, very, very good to take on. I think I have the same with both UX and content mm-hmm. creation, to be honest, especially in UX, I would say, because everyone usually are, are like, okay, I have 20 years of experience in this industry and you don't know a lot about this yet. So for mm-hmm. me, getting into this learning mode is something that makes me less stressful about uh, uh, doing UX, you know, speaking up at my work or doing content creation. So, I totally can relate to what you're saying.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, like, probably the difference between me and like other content creators is I don't even look at my numbers, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I do what feels right for me. And I, I know if I want to take this seriously, I can't always be doing that. But I also feel like I'm living my best life by not choosing that part, too, as well. So I think that's also what allows me to keep me going and also allows me to keep my mental health up, keeps me you yeah. know, overall feeling good about myself, about what am I trying to do. And I always feel like I'm I'm doing it for myself and the people who resonate that are going to be the most genuine because if they resonate with your true self, then, you know, they're the real ones.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I totally kind of relate. That's definitely like this learning process and balancing and thinking about yourself and your mental health. And also for me, it's reminding about uh, myself that I'm just sharing my perspective mm-hmm. and my experience, and it doesn't mean that your experience is the same as mine. Or your perspective is the same as mine. But we all can do it and we all can share it. So let's respect this.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah because that's funny thing is like this can be like its own burnout system because of these algorithms of social media. I mean, yep. they, they are constantly needing content, especially like YouTube. The more I learn about YouTube, the more I really dislike the platform about how it's constantly needing content. So it can always be pushing out recommendations to people. And that's why I, I'm not really a big fan of so much of being coming full con the full time content creator myself is because it feels like there is this machine that's constantly needing to be fed and it just never ends it's like there's no (laughs) off button you know just like i'm gonna take a break the problem for a lot of people is taking a break means you're getting punished and that's just that's i just don't feel like that's right Like i get from the business concept the social media why that works but it's like i feel like man you're really just creating burnouts and just all all sorts of other problems to content creators because of that
1: yeah i can totally totally relate to this because I I take breaks, but the first time when I did it, I felt so anxious. The anxiety was so high. I was like, oh, Jesus, Mm -hmm. all my followers will be gone. My engagement will be gone. (laughs) You know, I was so scared. But then I realized, okay, Aneta, come on. It's Mm -hmm. it's something that you're doing, you know, outside of your full-time job. You're spending so much energy into this. Just, you know, appreciate that you are doing this. You are doing this also for yourself and you want to learn. So... And then it was uh, gone, you know. After my this, it's about change of mindset, I think, as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that every every time I feel anxious about content creation, when I, you know, look at other content crea- creators who are, you know, monetizing content amazingly, they're just smashing this, and I really love reading the posts. My anxiety is super high. I get immediately stressed, and I'm like, oh Jesus! I need to turn on ever. I turn off everything, and I just mm-hmm. uh, switch off. I also do uh, on weekends, of course, this is now an exception for your podcast because we are recording this on Sunday, but usually I just don't do anything. In a sense, my social media are just, uh, you know, turned off. I haven't checked Instagram since Friday. I just checked the LinkedIn today for our podcast, but I don't do it right now. And it also helps, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I have like a fresh uh, start on Monday
0: yeah i know it's yeah like when we are like working for ourselves like we also got to remember like it's okay to take breaks it really is is it your future self will be so thankful for that because it's when we look in the short term of the situation not the long term also um i'm I'm really curious do you do you do any like ux related problem solving for your own content for your process i'm just really curious Mm. if you do
1: (laughs) that's a very good question i love it so actually initially i did so when i started i basically planned everything quite deeply i read a lot online i checked content creators in ux industry so i did also like some sort of Little competitive analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, I was uh, because I was doing mentoring already. So I had a bunch of questions or problems that I was seeing people uh, have uh, when they are starting in the industry. But to be honest, initially, I wasn't pretty sure what type of content I will be posting and what type of audience I will meet on Instagram, mm-hmm. for instance, because I started with Instagram. And to be honest, right now it's very clear for me and I can uh, really quickly, you know, I have my whole system in Notion where I create posts. I also have, I have a column in my Notion database where I, track okay this post is performing pretty well and this one is not so maybe in the future i will repost some content but i don't do it so often these days i'm Mm -hmm. always like okay i need to write something from scratch this is just my you know personality i am like oh i let write something else (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. and so
1: yeah definitely research i always ask questions on my instagram stories i talk with people in dms i always if someone for instance on instagram recommend something or they write to me something very vague, like Aneta, awesome content. I always want to know what is so awesome in this content and how this content helps them. So I always ask questions about this. Of course, this is uh, just opinions. So that's mm-hmm. just, uh, it's not fully very UX oriented, but uh, I try to gather this feedback. I try to observe, but sometimes I just don't care about this ever in so deeply because of my mm-hmm. mental health. So sometimes mm-hmm. I try to post also something that I, I want to share just personally. For instance, some challenges that I have. I'm having my day-to-day job right now and I just do posts about this or I have something like a reflection about my past experiences, Mm -hmm. then I just share it and I see if this resonates or not. But, you know, with social media, it really depends you know, sometimes they are uh, the algorithm and all of this. You, you, I don't fully know how it works with uh, with algorithms and my con- uh, my users, my audience engagement. But I try mm-hmm. definitely to gather some feedback.
0: Yeah, this oh, this is so fascinating about that because I'm thinking of like how I do it with this podcast, especially even subconsciously because yeah. of all the pro, all, because of like all the moving parts that happens in the process and because uh like i i, I learned from any kind of the problems that may happen so like i can smooth it out so it goes through like wow this is a really easygoing process that i can do with anyone and it always got to be in my mindset because i'm talking to a like a very wide group of different ux designers from all across the world so
1: yeah,
0: it's definitely, that's true, if, right? I know. So it's like, hmm, should, should I be doing this one size fit all for everyone?
1: Yeah, it uh, might be hard sometimes with those personal conversations that you have, right? It's a bit like user interview, right? And,
0: and Yeah, it's actually really helps me do a good job in that because I'm now, yeah. I am I know like, when, especially even meetings, what we do is on Zoom calls and now they just feel like podcasts to me. Because of the way, because it's it's still the same setup, still the same software. Like it feels like I am no different, really, Mm. through my process of like Mm. how I communicate, how I share. Sure, I may be a little more formal in some cases to like uh, stakeholders, but that's about it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I totally understand.
0: Yes, absolutely, Aneta. So. As we're drawing close to this episode, where are all the best ways that people can be able to check out your content and be able to check what else you are doing?
1: Well, definitely you can find me on my Instagram account, ux.anetta and on LinkedIn.
0: Yes, uh, and all links of the social media of Anetta will be found in the show notes, so you can easily check them out. Any closing words you would like our audience to know about?
1: Absolutely. So, well, uh, because we were talking about uh, UX bootcamps and some tips and tricks for junior designers, I maybe will just share my final thoughts about this. Uh, I think that if you're just starting uh, with your UX design career and you don't know what to do, just uh, try it out and treat your career as a UX, your first UX project. Uh, Because uh, you can uh, use design methods to design your career. There's a perfect uh, book that uh, by basically using this method, it's called um, design your life. As uh, far as I remember correctly, you can run experiments with your career uh, because I think uh, that our career is not no longer linear. It's uh, like I read in one article on Harvard business uh, review that uh, our career is more like career portfolio. And yeah. that we are gaining some sort of skills. And you never know if you'll be a UX designer later, right? Four years ago, I was still working as an architect. Uh, and right now, I work as a UX designer. And who knows what will happen later. So I think um, let's do what's uh, what interests us and what we want to do with our careers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's the interesting thing about when we... like. People are in college to have to choose their major and like realizing that once they do it, it's like, there's like statistic, like 50% of the people don't go into (laughs) career regarding their major. And a lot of people like don't know this and find out the hard way. And a lot of the times are you're okay with it or not okay with that. And it really depends on the person. And the industry they're in and how rough that sometimes can be. Like I'm I'm very fortunate that I was able to really get into graphic design, but I feel like I was very stubborn to think of anything else, though. So that mm-hmm. I don't know, that might be like a juggle in my own head about how I was able to su- succeed as a graphic designer and then able to transfer that to web design and then transfer that to UX design. So yeah. it is it it feels like I am just you know, also growing as a professional of different skill sets and from the, like all these agencies that I've worked with, they are all been pretty small. So they have to wear a lot of hats and it's not so much the, like, I can't do this. It's more like, when can you get this done? Because <laughs> there been times I've been copywriting. I've been doing some front end dev work. I've, uh, you know, I, I've done, done activities, quite- right? I know quite a bit of activities that you got to yeah. learn this fast, uh, fast. And it re- allows me to be more mindful of how other people work and how to work alongside with other people. Because, you know, that's yeah. also just a very powerful soft skill to know to have, just be able to communicate with others. Because when we hand off our designs, you'd be like, oh, w- what's this? We can't, w- we can't do that. W- what's, what's going on here? And now we can be able to communicate beforehand. So like when the handoff happens, like, okay, everyone's going smooth. And everyone knows what's to expect, and it's all good. So
1: yeah, definitely agree. UX is a team sport, right? So we <laughs> yeah, can't no. do it alone.
0: Yeah, we really can't do it at. It's you know, and that's why we're all here, learning to grow together on the UX Growth Podcast. Yeah, thank you so much, Anetta, for being here.
1: Thank you so much, Nick.
0: Yeah, please do support our guests. Until then, you just listen to the UX Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Mann. Thank you for listening.